This morning we're going to look at the last thing in this series, and, and it's this, that God has set us free from ourselves. Because that's the hardest thing, isn't it? It's easy to believe that God can set us free from poverty. It's, can you just take a little bit of volume out of my mic? That'll be good. It's easy to understand that Christ has set us free from poverty, and it's easy to understand that Christ has healed us through dying on the cross, providing all that. But the hardest thing in the world is for us to let God free us from ourselves. But I want to show you this morning how Christ has done that and how living that way is so important. I think the first thing that we have to understand is that when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus lived, died, and rose again on the cross, it actually wasn't for himself. He didn't actually do this because he had nothing better to do. Had a bit of a, didn't have much of a social life, couldn't work out what to do in the weekend. So decided, I don't know what I'll do. I'll die on the cross and rise again because I've got, kind of got nothing else happening going on at, this, at the moment. There's nothing decent on Netflix to watch. You're all a bit quiet this morning. It's going to be a celebration. It's Jesus. And uh, he died because he lived, he died, and he rose again. Not, for, not because he needed to, but because he loved you. He loves you. It is, this whole Easter celebration is defined by one thing and one thing only, love. God is love. For God so loved the world. It's, it's a weekend that's defined by love. He didn't, he didn't do it for himself because Jesus lived, as we understand from scriptures, that Jesus lived the perfect life. He was perfect in his relationship with God. He was perfect in his relationship with others. He was perfect in his moral life, in his morality. He was perfect in his thought life. He was perfect in his attitudes, in his motivation. He was perfect in his speech. He was perfect in action. He was perfect in his obedience and calling when it comes to God. He was perfect. He didn't need to die for himself. He didn't need to do this for him. He did it purely for us. And he had to be him because... The Bible says this, that Jesus was sinless and without sin or without fault and perfect. And why did he have to be that way? Because Peter 1, 1 Peter 1.19 says this, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. If he wasn't perfect, then he wouldn't have been the right sacrifice. Because we understand the Old Testament, we understand that when you had sin or stuff going on in your world, what you do is you go and find a lamb that was without blemish. You go down to the local market and you try and find this lamb that had no spots, no problems, no issues with it. You'd take that lamb then to the priest and, and you would lay your hands on the lamb and it's like this transfer of all your wrong stuff onto the lamb and then the priest would inspect the lamb, make sure that the lamb was okay. And if the lamb was all good and it was a perfect lamb, then the priest would kill it and then your sins were being atoned for or being paid for until next year. And then next year, you have to go and find another lamb. Poor lambs. Find another one. But the important thing that we need to understand about the Old Testament, and it's the same thing when it comes to you and I, is that when the priest did not inspect the person that brought the lamb, the priest did not look at the father that brought the lamb. He didn't inspect the father to see whether he was perfect. He inspected the lamb to make sure that the lamb was perfect in sacrifice. And we now live under grace, under God's grace in the New Testament, where, where God does not look at us. He does not look at our faults. He doesn't look at our problems or whatever. He looks at the lamb, Jesus, the perfect lamb, and inspects it and goes, okay, because that lamb is perfect, 
I accept the sacrifice and therefore your sins are now forgiven you. So when Jesus sent his son, he wasn't looking for a vehicle or a way to reject us or to condemn us or to curse humanity. No, no, no. When he sent his son, he was looking for an ability to find something, someone that could stand in the gap for you and I so that we don't have to live condemned or cursed or rejected, but that we can live loved and accepted. And the Bible puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness is such a big word, but it basically means this. It means that we would become right standing with him and right relationship. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become no sin. He who knew no sin became sin. He took the sin of the world upon his shoulders so that you and I could be the righteousness of God. In other words, we could be someone who lives in right standing with God, not because of what we did, but because of what he did. Only love motivates that. I don't know about you, but when people do me wrong, I don't want to stand in the gap and make it right for them. Hello? Even though we're meant to, the Bible says that we should forgive those that sin against us. But here's the thing. He stood in the gap. He's like, man, I want to have relationship with all of mankind. How am I going to do that? Because they've got all these issues going on. I know what I'll do. I'll send my son to die on the cross for them, and he'll rise again so that when I see them, I don't see their sin anymore, but I see the righteousness of God. I see the right standing of him. When we give our life to Christ, we place our trust in his righteousness. We, we place our trust in what he has done. Because I don't know about you, but I can't put any trust in what I have done. I make mistakes even today. I've made mistakes. I know that's hard to believe because I just look so darn perfect. And my wife says I'm perfect. And uh, my kids, they think I'm amazing. But I can't get things right. But I know because of him, when I trust in his righteousness, I don't have to worry about whether I've done things right. I just worry about whether he's done things right. And when I know that he's done things right, I don't have to worry. Why? Because Christ's righteousness, in that we have exactly the same standing before God as him himself. In fact, the Bible says this, that when we give our lives to him, that we become sons and daughters of God, that, that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we are seated in heavenly places with him. That means that, that even though I make mistakes, even though I, I'm going to make mistakes as time goes, even though I'm going to sin in my future and I've sinned in my past and I probably will sin in my present, the great thing is this, is that because of his righteousness, it allows me to stand in the same place as Jesus stands. At his right hand side, loved by him. Not judged for what I have done, but loved because of what he has done. This position that we, 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 we get because, we've, because of what Christ has done fully qualifies us to receive all the blessings that are promised to us throughout Scripture. Because of what he's done, because of what he's done in his righteousness, when I give my life to him, I then can stand in the same position as a son of the king and have the same blessings and the same promises and the same authority and the same everything as what he has done. Because of what he has done, it puts me in the position. It qualifies me. I'm not disqualified. It doesn't matter what I've done in my past. It doesn't matter what I do in my present 
or in my future, if I stay in relationship with Jesus, it leaves me in the right place and qualified to receive all the things that God has promised us. And friends, that is what salvation is. It's not just about your sin being removed. It's about your sin being removed and you now standing and sitting in the same position as a son and daughter of God so that all the promises of him are qualified to you. It's such a great story, isn't it? That, that he would do that for us. Yet while we were still sinners, while we hated him, while we were against him, he died for us. Because he wants us not just to have relationship with him, not just for our sin to be sorted, but he wants to pour out the blessings and the promises that he has for us. And so he's like, man, I've got to fix this. And so motivated by love, he sends his son. And Jesus' life is now accredited to our lives. It's now a credit in our account and his death removed all sin from our lives and his resurrection has given us the eternal life that we can now live. And you have to understand that love was and always will be the motivation for what he did. It was never anything but that. I don't care what people tell you. I don't care what you read on Facebook. I don't care what you read in the comment sections of news articles. You know, there's a guy yesterday, when we're at the supermarket and we're buying some stuff for lunch, and, and this guy goes, Easter's not about Jesus. This is what he's telling the lady working at the supermarket. I'm not sure why he thought she wanted to know this. It's actually a pagan ritual where they celebrate fidelity. Fidelity. There we go. I'm really good with the English language. Fidelity, because that's why they have an Easter. Oh, fertility. There we go. Basically, pregnancy. Reproduction. And he says, that's why they have Easter bunnies. I'm not sure what the Easter bunnies got to do with hot cross buns, but anyway. So people believe all sorts of things about what it is about. I've heard people say this week that, that all religion does, all, the only thing religion has ever done is, is hurt the world. Yes, and that's true. Religion has only ever hurt the world. But relationship with Jesus Christ has only ever healed the world. Because only relationship with him can. And that's what he did for us. As, but as awesome as what he has done for us is, our biggest challenge that we face in life is we have to overcome ourselves. We have to overcome who we are because we like to be in control. We are all control freaks. Say to yourself, I am a control freak. <laughs> Some of you are like... But we are. We like to be in control of our worlds, don't we? But Romans says this, in Romans 6, 6, it says, For we know that our old self, old self, the person you were before you knew Christ, was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. The Bible says this, that when he died on the cross, when he died on the cross, it wasn't just the sin that was dealt with, but our old self, the way that we used to live, was crucified with him, so that we don't have to live that life any longer, that we don't have to be slaves to sin any longer. What, why is he saying about being slaves to sin? Because the reality is for you and I is that we have what the Bible would call a sinful nature. In other words, we 
quite easily sin. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, let me ask you this question. If you're a parent, did you ever have to teach your children to lie to you? Did anyone here ever have to be taught how to swear and curse? No, we have classes after the, not just right here. No, no one has to be taught these things, yes? No one has to be taught to be selfish. Nobody has to be taught, your, your children don't have to be taught mine, 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 yes? Hello? None of them have to be taught to, to when they want a toy that their sibling's playing with. You don't have to teach them how to punch that sibling in the face and take the toy. It's inherently in us. Because of Adam and Eve sitting in the garden, we are now, all of us, uh, are born uh, with a sinful nature, with an with a inclination towards wrongdoing, an inclination towards doing something wrong. It, it, it's in all of us. That's why there's temptation. We're tempted to do things wrong. We're tempted to do these things. And so the greatest challenge that we have is actually ourselves, but I'm here to tell you this morning, one of the great news about Jesus' death and resurrection was, yes, that poverty was dealt with, and yes, that sickness was dealt with, but also your old self was dealt with. The old you, the way that you used to be, has been dealt with. We're all born with an inclination to sin. We don't have to be taught to, to sin, we just do it naturally because it's part of who we are. But when we come to Christ, he doesn't offer you a new set of rules. I don't know what you have been taught or what people have told you. God does not offer you a new set of rules when you come to him. He goes, okay, this is how you lived your life then, and these are the new rules for you to follow here. No, 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 the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that when you come to him, he doesn't give you a new set of rules. He gives you a new spirit. He gives you a new you. Behold, the old man was crucified with Christ so that I'm no longer a slave to sin. The new you is what he gives, a new life that is within us that overcomes this powerful inclination on the inside of us to sin. It's a new thing that he brings. And Romans 8.2 says this, because through Christ Jesus, the, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the sin of law and death. And you may have read that and think, what does that literally mean? It literally means this. So when you give your life to Christ, it's a little bit like the law of aerodynamics. There's a law of gravity, yes? If we climb up onto the roof of this building and jump off, you will hit the concrete. There is a law of gravity. You can't beat gravity. You can for a moment. But the law of gravity will always pull you back down, Yes? It'll always pull you back down. But then there's another law called the law of aerodynamics. I'm going to experience this law in about 12 days' time when me and Trinity go to Hawaii to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. So while you're working, we'll be in Hawaii. Just putting that out there, just embrace that, enjoy it. But there's gravity that is trying to try and pull that plane down. But because of the law of aerodynamics, that plane will defeat gravity and fly for nine and a half hours until we get to the destination that we want to get to. So the Bible says that when Christ died for us, when we give our lives to him, there's a new spirit that happens on the inside of us. And even though we have an inclination to sin, even though it's part of our sinful nature to do sin, 
that the law of the Spirit overcomes the law of sin and allows you to fly above it and beyond it so that it can't pull you back down again because that's what he did. He didn't give you a new set of rules. He gave you a new spirit so you could soar above the stuff that's tried to pull you down. Ezekiel 36 26 says this, and I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you and I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. How many parents will love that in their teenagers? That was your moment right there. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my ways and be careful to follow my instructions. I will put my spirit in you so that you'll be able to follow my ways and follow my instructions. He, he, he doesn't just free you from sin, friend. He frees you from you. You see, God not only deals a death blow to the sin impulse within us, but he also deals a death blow to the love of sin because he puts his spirit in us. And then what happens is, is that he gives us a new heart and one day we're cursing and the next day we're praying. It happens in just a moment. In just an absolute moment where we're born again, where Christ comes into us. And he removes our old heart, our old self, our old man. And there's a new nature deposited into us, his spirit. But the only way for that new spirit to flourish, that new you to flourish, is to starve the old you, yes? You know, there's an old saying that says, if you know, you've got two dogs and you feed one, it's going to live. You don't feed the other one, it dies. It's pretty logical. Some of you are like, oh, that's how I get rid of my kids. Um, it's just a joke. And so the Bible says that if we want this new nature to overcome our old nature, we have to feed the new nature so that the old nature dies. He's given us this ability. In Romans 8 it says, so don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent. There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. I love that. I'm going to read that again to you. It's out of the message translation. It says, so don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself Life, one red cent. You don't own the, owe the old you anything. Don't waste a moment on it. There's nothing in it for you. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial. Bury that sucker and put it in the grave. And get on with your new life that God has given you. This new spirit that is placed in you. God's spirit beckons. There are things for you to do. And places for you to go. He's basically saying here, Kill off, bury that old you. Don't let it have any say over you. Get on with this new life that God's created for you, this new spirit that is put in you. You know, in the old days and with the Romans, one of the punishments that they used to have is somebody murdered somebody, and so they'd take the victim who was dead, they'd take the corpse of that victim, and they would strap it onto the back of the murderer. And the murderer would have to carry around the decaying corpse of the person that they murdered. And over a period of time, the, de the 
the disease and the decay in the old corpse would start to eat into the good skin and tissue of the person carrying it until the disease from the old corpse overcame the, the person walking around and killed them. Not How many people are glad we don't live in that day? But what the writer of Romans is trying to say to us is if you keep carrying around the old corpse, if you keep carrying around the old self and you don't give it a burial, sooner or later, sooner or later, that old sinful nature, that old sinful inclination nature, that, that, that lean to sin, if you don't deal with that and you, if you don't let Christ set you free from that, Slowly but surely, it'll start to eat into this new nature that God has given you. And before you know it, you're compromising around boyfriend, girlfriend issues. You're compromising around this. You're compromised. Why? Because slowly but surely, the old man will start to eat into the new man. And what Jesus said is, when I died on the cross, I didn't just... See, this is the thing. It's a, it's a vivid picture of what happens if we fail to deal with our old nature. It really is a vivid picture of what will happen to us if we don't deal with it. But the thing is, is this, friend. Christ, when he was crucified, he said, I have crucified your old self with me. We don't need to resurrect the old. We just need to live in the new. But the death of the old nature involves a combination of effort from us and from God. It requires us to put some effort into this, to make sure that we're not allowing the old man to climb onto our back, to get involved in our world. The starting point, if we're going to break off the old self and allow it to be crucified to the cross with Jesus, the starting point is to understand that Jesus, when he died on the cross, killed self-nature and all of us through the cross. He destroyed that self thing that we have on the cross. See, Christian life is not meant to be something we struggle and strive to live. It's not meant to be works-orientated. The Bible says this, that, that you're not saved by what you do, but you're saved by what he has done. And so if you're living this Christian life where it's hard and you're striving and, 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 and it's really, really difficult, friend, you're not, you're not living the truth that is, is that he killed your old self that he dealt with your sin, that he destroyed it all. You don't have to live that way anymore. He put a new spirit in you. You are a resurrected person. You are now not the old. The old is gone. The new has come. See, to be a Christian should be as natural to us as, as breathing once we find this truth, once we discover that he has destroyed the old man. If we find ourselves continually Trying to be a Christian, then the reality is, friend, the truth of what Christ did on the cross for you has not come alive for you. It has not become part of who you are because being a Christian is not something that you have to think about or work hard about if you've been born again. The Bible says if you've been born again that he has dealt with your sin, he has dealt with your old self, he has dealt with everything. So if you're still struggling and striving to do things when it comes to this Christian life, I would suggest to you that somehow, somewhere along the way, you've allowed the old man to climb onto your back. Because I don't have to struggle to breathe or eat, as some of you may see. I don't have a problem eating. 
I won't get home today and go, how am I going to eat lunch? I don't even have to think about it. I just sit there with a plate, put it to my mouth, and it just happens. I did not create this incredible body over a weekend. You don't have to think about breathing. You don't even have to think about eating. In fact, some of you do this, and I do this too. Sometimes you arrive home from work and you can't even remember driving home from work because it's just natural to you. You don't have to think about it because it's natural. Why is it natural to breathe and eat? Because you're created to breathe and eat. And what you're created to do, you do naturally without even having to think about it. You don't have to... You don't have to uh, sit down for six weeks with a brand new baby and say, now, this is what you need to do. You need to eat. It'll tell you it needs to eat, yes? It'll cry its lungs out because it's hungry. It doesn't have to because it's created to eat. We're created to breathe. And it's exactly the same when it comes to being a Christian. When Christ comes into your world, when you invite him to come into your life, he takes away the old you, he takes away the old heart, the old spirit, and gives you a new spirit. And so when you're created a Christian in that moment when you give your life to Christ, it shouldn't be hard for you anymore. It should be as easy as breathing because when you're created to be a Christian and God has put his spirit on the inside of you, then it should be a natural, easily flowing thing to do because you're created new and if you're struggling it's because the old man has got his hooks into you and the thing is is this is that being always comes before doing I'm a human being before I'm a doing I I was born a human being and I already understood that I needed to eat before I ate I already understood that when I came out of my mother's womb that I knew I needed to have, I needed to breathe. I didn't have to be told that it was in me as a human being. And then as soon as I was born, I started to breathe and I started becoming a human doing what humans should do. And the same is for you and I, when we give our lives to Christ, is that we go from being, innate, that, that DNA is put on the inside of us, the same way that a baby knows to breathe when they get that new spirit on the inside of us, you know exactly how to live. As God takes us through the various experiences that we have in our lives, and let me, let me just say this to you this morning, if you don't know God, you're going to get an opportunity this morning, but if you do know him, if you're in relationship with him, he will take you through experiences in life, and some of them are painful. Some of them are really, really painful. Some of the stuff that God takes you through, I know some of the experiences I've had is, especially around some of my insecurities, it's a painful process to go through. But God uses those experiences for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to help us to die to our old selves so that we can live as he created us to be. Because within each and every one of us is this shaft on the inside of us which holds everything together and that shaft is called I. Yes? You, you know, we, we, have this, we have this kind of joke in our marriage that it's all about me. So Trinity will say something to me like, oh, I'm not sure we want to do that and I'm saying, honey, 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 you've forgotten something. This is all about me and what I want. It's just a joke. 
But we are inherently born that way, aren't we? It's all about me. That's why you have to fight your kids to do the dishes or clean their room, no matter what age they are. Whether they be 18 or five. Inherently, I don't want to clean my room. I don't want to do the dishes. We don't go to work half the time because we want to, but because we have to. Yes? Nobody does this because they like it. So I try to say to Seth when he goes, but I don't want to do the dishes. I don't like doing the dishes. Um, it's not like people run into our house and go, oh, can I do your dishes? There is, it's like I hate doing the washing. But, you know, some people have issues in their world and, you know, like my, my mother-in-law, she has a mental illness around this area where she loves doing washing. She needs Jesus. Loves hanging it out. Loves folding it. She'll probably come over to your house if, if, if anybody, you got a bunch of washing to do, it's like be the joy of her heart to come over to your house and do your washing for her. It's like, personally, I'd prefer to go watch a movie, but that's okay. But deep within each and every one of us, there's this I thing, and everything that we do is motivated by what I want. Come on, if we're really honest with ourselves. Motivated by what I want to do. However, God takes our experiences and these painful things and he comes a day when God takes our self-centeredness and our self-will and he puts it to death. And though it may be painful to have God to do that, it's actually the most victorious day that you'll ever find when God sets you free from you so that we don't live by us because inherently we have this, but I know that when I'm selfish in my marriage, I know it hurts my wife, and I don't want to be that way. None of us want to live that way. And so Christ puts us through these experiences because he understands this, that once we die, we'll rest in peace. When somebody dies, people always go, R.I.P., rest in peace. But the Bible teaches us that he crucified our old self with him on the cross, took out our cold hard heart and gave us a new heart so that we could rest in peace we could live in peace it is the ultimate experience of repentance because you need to understand something repentance is not when sin dies repentance is when the sinner dies we so focus on the cross as a thing that destroyed sin. But it says, I have been crucified with Christ, so I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not sin that he nailed to the cross, it's the sinner that got nailed to the cross. My old habits, my old self, my selfish self, got nailed to the cross with him. I don't need to carry around the old man eating into my new man. God removes the eye shaft and replaces it with Christ. And now what happens is that Christ becomes the motivator of our lives and our actions and our attitudes. And as I mentioned earlier, in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I don't have to live with the old self. This is what Easter is all about. It breaks the power of sin. It breaks the power of, of disease. It breaks the power of poverty. But most importantly, it breaks the power of me. So that I can live not with this selfless thing, not with this old man eating into me, but I can live a new life. I can live this great life. I love how the Message Bible puts that same passage of Scripture as the musicians and singers come. It says this, what actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identify myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God because Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. It, is it not clear to you that to go back to the old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to go back to that to deny, to reject, to abandon God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. You see, what God freed us from is ourselves. This thing that we have in us that wants to keep rules and tick the boxes and, and make sure I've done everything right and make sure I've prayed this week and read my Bible this week and done this this week and I did a random act of kindness this week. So how good am I? No, he said to, I don't want your life to be motivated by what you think is keeping rules. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna die on the cross for you and I'm gonna free you from yourself. I'm gonna crucify the sinner with me so that you don't have to live some way where you're trying to impress me, where you're trying to impress others, where the opinion of people is what drives you. I'm gonna die on the cross so that you can live in my righteousness because I was perfect and I died and I had perfect relationship with God so that you can through me. I had perfect relationship with others so that you can through me. I have perfect thought life so that you can through me. I have perfect attitudes and motivations so that you can through me. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to remove your old self, your old heart, and I'm going to give you my heart so you don't have to struggle and you don't have to strive and you don't have to work at this thing. But when you're created with a new heart, you'll just operate naturally in the new creation that you're created in. And it won't be hard and it won't be difficult as long as you keep the old man off your back. Then the new man will overcome it. Just like the law of aerodynamics, it will overcome. It will overcome that sinful nature. It will overcome those inclinations because we are set free from ourselves because of what He did on the cross. I am set free from my issues because of Him. The challenge for us today, friend, is to not to live bound up in our old self anymore. It would be so weird if we invited you over to our house for dinner and you came through the door carrying a corpse on your back, stinking and smelling. 
I'll be like, maybe you should eat outside. The Bible says this, and when he died on the cross, that, that Christ invited us to come and eat at his table. He crucified the old you with him on the cross. It seems insane that we would rock up to this moment on Easter and come into this place to celebrate what He's done and come in and worship Him together and to honour Him for all that He's done. And we bring the very thing that He destroyed with us. Because if we don't keep the old man crucified to the cross, then the old man will eat into the new man. Christ was like, man, you don't need the old man. So I'm going to nail the sinner to the cross with me. He didn't just take sin on that day, friend. He took the sinner and then he rose again. He rose again so that it was completely and totally defeated. Because this new life I live, I don't live in me, but I live in Christ. In that new life, in that resurrection life, in that life that he has given me. His heart, His Spirit, that is placed in each and every one of us once we give our lives to Him. I can't think of anything better to celebrate on Easter Sunday than the fact that He got rid of me. Because I'm not that nice a person. And I'm sure there are plenty of people here today that have regrets about maybe some of the things that you've done in your past or things that you've done even in the past week. But I need you to understand something that when nailed to the cross he didn't nail sin to the cross he nailed the sinner to the cross with him I have been crucified with him so that I can live in this new spirit in this resurrection life with this following Jesus isn't a striving thing but it's as natural as being Christ did that to make it easy for you. It's us that make it hard for us when we carry around the guy that he crucified to the cross. Even just this week as I was talking to God about some things, I had this little religious thought moment while I was in my office that I should really make sure that my my heart is right with him before I get up here and preach to you on Sunday. Make sure I've covered all of my sins, you know, make a checklist, make sure they're all sorted out. Him saying to me this week, just while I was in the office, a fellow guy just said to me, Hey, I, why are you bringing up that guy? I crucified him to the cross with me. Why are you focused on the wrongdoings? Why don't you start focusing on the new life that I've given you? The great things that are ahead of you, the awesome things that I've put in you. Because if my spirit is in you, what comes naturally to me will come naturally to you. Strive, and I don't have to fight and I don't have to worry about what I may do or what I have done because He nailed all of that to the cross. My job is to make sure that I'm in the righteousness, right standing with Him, understanding that my righteousness is not from my own works but because of what He did. And sometimes when I step out and I do something that is wrong and I sin and I do stuff that is not right, then all I've got to do is go, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you that you died on the cross for me come back in under His righteousness. The old man stays crucified to the cross. I don't bring it into my new life. You don't need to bring it into your new life. 